You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. Today's guest is on the YPI steering committee from Zone 1. This is Jen Flinton from the Saratoga County Fair in New York. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Robert. Welcome. Well, I'm I'm glad to get you on. You're, I think, only the second person we've had out of New York. Of course, we had Jessica Underberg a little earlier in the season. Um, tell us a little bit about your fair there in Saratoga. When does it run? What's the attendance look like? So we are typically um, in the end of July. So this year's dates are July 20th. Uh, through the 25th um, and we're like, like I said that we're the first one in our immediate area um, we have usually about 80 to 90,000 people in a six-day period that's a pretty good uh, pretty good size little fair for six days 80 to 90,000 I think most county fairs would take that now I think I read somewhere that you've been with the fair if I'm not mistaken since about 2012 is that correct yeah, um, actually, I'm one of those lifelong people. I was, uh, my, um, my parents came to the fair and I was actually born the month before the fair and came to the fair as a month old. Um, so I've been kind of coming ever since then. Um, it was about uh, 2004 when I really got involved with helping out and being a volunteer here. Um, then I joined um, the board of directors in 2008. Um, and then I kind of got more involved with doing um, the entries for the whole entire fairgrounds in 2012 wow. and then became an officer of the board. So I've just kind of kept moving up the, the line. So even though you, 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 it was kind of official about 2012, you are what you would call a, a lifer doing. I am a lifer. <laughs> I'm a lifer. It's in the blood. And once it's in your blood, you don't ever leave. Yeah, we have found that with the number of people we've spoken with across this industry that um, some literally their mothers left the fair only to go deliver the baby and then come straight back to the fair. So we've got a number of people in this industry that it's not so much a, a business for them, although they do run it like a business, but it is definitely a lifetime um, commitment and calling it, it, that they have to the industry. Um, and, and I have to say, I, I'm one of those people. Um, I was three days overdue with my first child checking in goats at the fairgrounds. Um, <laughs> on the very first day of, of um, the fair, I got sent for a non-stress test and ended up going to the hospital and having my, my child on the first day of fair. So well, I, I'm one of those people. It happens. It does happen. I, um, I know that in, in 2010, when we had our son, he was due in December, but I, my first major fair in the industry was the Washington state fair. And I um, flew away and left my wife very pregnant and was like, well, <clears throat> this is really cool. I'm going to go you do this, you know, great contract up here at the Washington state fair. And, and that'll really help when, when Nate shows up. And then we realized that she was due IAFE weekend. And I remember flying to Las Vegas and getting literally get to the airport in Albuquerque and I get a page over the, this, you know, the intercom, you know, with Southwest airlines passenger, Robert Smith, please pick up a white courtesy phone. And I was like, there's no way she went into labor. No, it was worse. She told me you left your, your phone at home. And I was like, uh, 
<laughs> oh no, she had no time to bring it to me. I had no time to go back and get it. So it's like that phone has got the phone numbers for at least six people that are on the trade show floor. So let me get to Las Vegas and I'll get a burner phone. And he came in the next week. But yeah, so it, babies in, in the industry, we it's sometimes the event just has to go on. It has to happen. You got to have the baby and everything works out. That's that's one of the beautiful things I think about the fair industry is just how family oriented we are. Now, are your are your kids? How old are they now? Uh, my oldest will be 16 in July and my youngest is nine. And are they involved in the in the industry? They're doing 4-H, FFA, things like that? Yep, they do 4-H and FFA. Um, my older son has really gotten into um, helping in the, the cow milking parlor and running all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, they look forward to fair weeks. And my, my older son even looks forward to going and helping the other fairs around us. So um, it's definitely in the blood. Well, that's super cool that you have built your family around the fair i'm curious um if a new family was to come out to your fair they were to call you up and say hey we're new in the area we want to come to your fair what would you tell them are the must-do experiences at the saratoga county fair um some must-do experiences well you know going through all of our animal animal departments was definitely um a great experience we have a lot of good exhibitors that are willing to, you know, tell you anything you need to know about animals. Um, they're really willing to help you learn, um, bring your animals out to pet them. You know, some of these kids like, like that up close personal, like this is the first time they only ever touched an animal, you know? So that's really, yeah, we have a really group, great group of exhibitors that will um, let you, the kids get really involved. Um, our carnival is always a fun time. You know, um, we have Amusements of America with the Vavona family and they put on a very nice show. Um, there's plenty of, of activities to do around the carnival. Um, our entertainment changes from, you know, year to year, but there's always some great entertainment to come and see. There's plenty of stuff to keep you busy. Um, we have a fantastic uh, conservation area um, with uh maple syrup and you know cooking over a fire soap making the old-fashioned way um shooting ranges for the kids to um try their hands at you know um, bows and arrows um so i mean there's plenty of stuff for the kids to be involved with that's very cool i i've never heard of a, a shooting range with a, a bow and arrow range on a fairgrounds before Yep, they have um, the fake uh, deer and turkeys and everything that you can try to shoot. And they even have um, some of the air rifles, I believe they are, for shooting. Wow, that's really cool. I, I don't know that that would ever be able to get pulled off at the New Mexico State Fair where I'm from. But Dan Morning, if you're listening, we've got ideas, man. We, we're going to go with the bow and arrow uh, range at the fair. Let's do it. Um, I'm curious, in your time with the fair, what's something that you know now? that would have been helpful to know when you came into the industry? Oh, probably all the work that goes on behind the scenes to put the fair on. You know, I, I don't think, you know, until you work in the office here and you actually are involved with all the paperwork aspect of putting on a fair, um, there's a lot of logistics 
that go on with that. And, you know, I started this, this process as an exhibitor and just looking at, you know, what it's like to be out on the grounds and not necessarily all the behind the scenes that it takes to, to make it work. Sure. There is definitely a lot of behind the scenes. And I think that might've been one of the, in some ways, one of the challenges we faced during COVID, because I think for so many people in our communities, they see our fairs as seven days or 10 days during the summer. And then that's it. They don't realize just how big of an impact that our, our fairs do have on the community. Absolutely. And all the planning aspects that go on to this, you know, in, you know, our fairs in July and right after it ends, you're already signing contracts and entertainment for the next year in order to be get to be on their schedule. So, you know, it, it's, you really have to be thinking a ways out. It's not something yep. you're just going to pull together in a matter of a couple months, couple weeks. Yeah, you sure do. Now, um, up there in Saratoga, are you guys, do you only do the fair or are you year round event facility also? We do, um, we do pretty much year round grounds rentals. So, you know, we'll have a dog show here. We'll have a sure. balloon fest here. We have um, some other smaller events that will rent the grounds for like um, county picnics and stuff like that. But we do definitely have a, a full calendar of events here. So let's talk real briefly about 2020. Your fair canceled in 20, just like so many others. I think there were less than 50 that went off nationwide. What kind of impact does that have on the community, not only from the fair standpoint, but from all those event rental standpoints, when your fair cancels, what's the impact on the community? It's a huge impact. Um, not only, you know, it's, it's a huge impact financially for all of us um, to have, you know, not only did the fair cancel, but all of our events for the whole entire calendar year canceled. So financially for a not-for-profit, that's huge because now we're in this, you know, pinch of how do we keep going forward when everything was canceled. Um, and, and then emotionally for all the people, you know, this is a huge time, you know, that week out of the summer is when you bond with your friends and you, um, you come together and everyone plans, let's go to the carnival for the weekend. Let's, you know, let's ride this ride. Let's go see the animals. You know, it's, it's, it's a bonding experience for the, the public and they didn't get that. Right. Yeah. It's, I didn't realize just, I, I, I mean, I knew it, the kind of that, the mental hit that those things were are really important in our society. But until I finally got back down here in Florida where I'm at the Clay County fair, um, helping out another attraction right now, until I got back on a fairgrounds and I saw the Ferris wheel load up and I heard a concert going on and, you know, I heard, um, Pamela Rosaire's announcement about the, the pig races until I heard all that. And re I didn't realize just how much I missed it and how important it was for this community here in green coast Springs, just outside of Jacksonville to be able to get back to the fair. And I think it's the same across the entire nation. Absolutely. So going through the pandemic, a lot of fairgrounds had to make adjustments. Um, they became, you know, for COVID testing sites, now they're COVID vaccination sites how has your fair been able to support your local community during the, the pandemic? We held, I believe, three drive-through um, food events okay. where um, the, the, we partnered with the American Dairy Association and we gave out um, free milk. And um, it was actually the first time was 
part of our virtual fair because we canceled our fair. We tried to keep the public engaged and do a virtual fair. And during that week, we had the very first drive-through milk event and it was beyond successful. It's one of those things we've never done it before. And until you do it, you don't know what kind of challenges you're going to have. Well, we found our challenges with the first one <laughs> with, uh, with traffic backups and, you know, an event that was supposed to start at 11 and we had people already lining up at the gate at like seven in the morning. And wow, um, it was beyond successful. <laughs> um, we actually ran out of milk in the food boxes to give away. Um, so that, that kind of showed you there was definitely a need for it in this area. So we, we planned another one. We worked with the American Dairy Association and, and planned another one. And, you know, we also worked with our village police to help us with our traffic patterns and the things that went kind of wrong the first time. Sure. And uh, we made it a lot easier for the second time around. And um, so it was very, it was very nice. And, you know, all the people going through the lines, you know, some people had tears in their eyes thanking us for, for doing it because they really needed it. You know, it was really helpful to them. So it felt good to do those kind of things. Yep. Uh, I know a lot of the events across the country that did similar things. Um, they all convey very similar stories that are, our fair going public really needed to feel in touch with their, with the event, with the grounds and feel some, some kind of semblance of normal. That's where we saw a lot of the fair food events pop up and things like that, that just meant so much to people to be able to feel like they weren't completely trapped in their homes for an entire year. Right. And we did do, you know, during our virtual fair, we had um, some fair food vendors set up um, for a couple weekends for three days. And um, it was very nice to have everyone come in and, you know, still get that taste of fair food still, you know, it was definitely weird being on the grounds being so empty and, you know, not having the carnival music going off and not having the racing pig siren going off. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it was definitely still nice to be able to support our, uh, our fair vendors um, and help them get a little bit of income as well. So moving forward, we're here in 2021 now. I just saw an announcement, I believe, on y'all's Facebook page from the Saratoga County Fair Board regarding the 2021 fair. And my takeaway from the press release was that they don't know what's going to happen. It was basically we, yeah, we, uh, what it felt like. Um, is that what, what, is that kind of what it was meant to be was just to inform the public, Hey, we're, we're working on it. Right. We, um, you know, with very little guidelines right now on, on what we can do, in July, you know, and here's the other, you know, you talk about planning things, we're in April now, and things could be completely different come July. But now is when we have to plan for it. So it, it's kind of, we're facing that struggle right now, of we want to do something, we just don't know what that something's going to look like. And we also still need to be, you know, financially responsible for the organization. And, you know, we have to, be smart about what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're paying for it. Of course. It, and it's a real challenge. You know, we've spoken at length with other guests about the analogy Jerry Hammer used from the Minnesota state fair, which was when they canceled last year that they had run out of, of runway. They, they kind of likened themselves to an airplane that just didn't have enough runway to get off the ground. Your fair, um, you know, is obviously not anywhere near as large as the Minnesota state fair, but you still have to have some lead time, What's that point 
do you think, is there a date that you know of where you have to make a decision, thumbs up or thumbs down on the fair? Um, really that, that decision comes with, you know, when you talk about all that paperwork in the background, you know, getting all the permits to have your mass gathering and you have to leave yourself enough time to, to get those permits. Um, and not knowing, you know, like right now our state isn't fully open. So like, you know, all those people that you have to go to get those permits from, are they even working right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I meant to ask you, know, you, what's the what's the current state of restrictions there in New York? I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you guys being in Saratoga, you're a little further, you're outside the city. But so many people, when they hear New York, they only think of the city. They forget that there's an entire state with it. Exactly. Um, so what's, you know, we hear about what's going on in the city, but what's going on out in the rest of the state in New York? Well, um, we are still we're still pretty restricted on what we can and can't do. You know, they're limited on, on gatherings. Um, everyone still needs to wear face masks, um, you know, limited capacities for everything, you know, restaurants were, they were under curfew of nine and I believe they now extended that to 10. Um, so, you know, you still have a lot of, a lot of restrictions that you have to work with and, the way they've been doing events is everything's pre-sale tickets and, and when, and temperature screenings and contact tracing and, you know, as, and all that stuff, you know, some of it's starting to lift and and ease up, but at the same time, it's not gone yet. So when you're planning right now, okay, how do you plan a fair where everything has to be advanced ticket sales, you know? So how, how do you work that right now? of everything has to be advanced ticket sales, you know, that that's completely different from what we're used to, you know, you're used to having a, a line at the gate and you yep. buy your tickets and you go in, you know, so well, are you guys set up to do online ticketing? Uh, we are not. Yeah. See, there's the next challenge is in order to really be successful with those advanced tickets, online ticketing is, is one of the real keys to that. And that, you know, not all fairs, the bigger fairs are set, you know, they're good, but a lot of the smaller fairs, that's an expense that they may not be able to make. Right. And, you know, and if we're still required to do temperature checks and are we still required to contact trace and get everybody's name and information, then that would be part of like the presale ticket aspect. So there's still a lot of challenges that, you know, the, that right now might not be in place for July, but you don't know that. So you're, you're still trying to figure out, okay, if, if it's in place, how are we going to do this? Yeah, it does. The number of different challenges as I've spoken with fairs from different jurisdictions where you get like down here in Florida, they've got signs up the same mass recommended when you're going into the, the um, arena for the concert, there's a big sign that says, you know, potential high risk area mass highly recommended in this area. People are just doing what they got to do, you know, but then you go to others and like New York or California where it's extremely restrictive. And I don't, I don't know whether the data really shows that it's worked all that well. Right. You know, just becomes a big challenge for all of us. And we're all, you know, we've said a lot of times on the show, um, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. You know, some a, battle, so. a, a battleship's going to handle this a lot better than a, a little fishing boat. And so 
we continue to move forward and, and hope that things continue to improve. At least it seems at this rate that numbers seem to finally be really starting to get under control. So we'll, we'll cross our fingers that that trend continues. Let's talk about YPI for a minute. I think that's actually where I got connected with you. I saw a post on Facebook. You're with YPI. You're on the steering committee for zone one. How did that come about? So, um, being in the fair for my life, um, our one executive director at the time, Jeff Townsend, encouraged me to do the scholarship to go out to the IAFE convention. And, you know, I hemmed and hawed about it, and then I finally did it. So in 2014, that was my first time winning the scholarship and going out to the IAFE out in Las Vegas. And you know, getting to see all the different, you know, it's really an eye opener. You know, I'm so used to our fair and the couple fairs around here that like, you don't even realize the fair industry is so big and so diverse. And, you know, like until you go to that convention and your eyes kind of go, wow, you know, like there's a lot yeah. more to this than, than just here at the Saratoga County fair. Um, so, you know, going out there and, you know, just taking advantage of seeing what other fairs are doing and that networking and, um, you know, being the under 40. So when the, the application came up to become on the steering committee, I'm like, sure, why not? You know, I've been <laughs> trying, I've been trying to go outside of my comfort zone. You know, that's out of all the things that you learn is you can't grow unless you get outside of your comfort zone. So, you know, honestly, going to Las Vegas in 2014 was my first time ever flying by myself across wow. the country. And I quite literally had tears in my eyes as I was walking away from my husband in the, the line to uh, security check. But, you know, I did it. And I've gone to the convention ever since then. So well, we are so proud of you for being brave. I remember many times when I was in college and my wife and I, we were long distance having to walk away at the airport. I know those tears. Um, I get the feeling where some of those were those tears of sad. You're going to miss him or that were those tears of fear because you were about to get on an airplane by yourself. I think it was tears of fear because at that <laughs> point in time, I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing or how I was even going to get from the airport to the hotel. You know, I was just like, I, I was throwing myself out on a limb for sure. Um, you know, I grew up on a farm and I, I continue to have a 175 acre farm. So like, I don't travel much at all. And for me to go to Las Vegas was a, was a big deal. Um, so and you've been you know, going to convention since. Yeah, I have been every year. And I even did the virtual vision this year for um, since they canceled Texas. Yeah. So, well, that's, you know, you talk about the, how many acres you have out there. I think I, re I remember reading a comment from Marlon, one of your posts on Facebook, where she said she was sitting next to you at uh, like on a bus ride to a zone one event. And she said her jaw dropped when you talked about your dairy goat operation. Tell us about that. So, um, I was a 4-H'er and I got a goat and one goat turned into several goats um, because you know they're so cute and you can't get rid of them so they multiply quite quickly and before I knew it um, I had 
close to a hundred. Um, and then my husband and I made a, a living out of it. We started selling wholesale milk to cheese processors. So then I got to the point where I had, I was milking 180 goats and I had over 300. So when Marla Goodness actually, gracious. when Marla actually talked to me, it was very typical for me to have 380 kids born in a single season. Um, so yeah, so she, her, her, her mouth did drop when I told her, I'm like, yeah, I've got 380 babies at home to deal with. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And, and it definitely takes a lot of time and in talking about the pan- pandemic, you know, it, I definitely got hit with the pandemic as well. So we actually scaled back. So this year, when I tell people I'm only expecting like 66 babies, they're still surprised, but I'm like, you know, it's actually a vacation for me. You know, I'm used to a lot more than 75% cut in what you normally have. That's wild. That's wild. So that's a lot of animals uh, that that you're dealing with. Um, Yeah. I get it. And now when, you know, most of the, the people I know in the industry that deal with animals like that, they don't have anywhere near those numbers, anywhere near the numbers. What, uh, other than they're just super cute and you kept going, what, what made you go for numbers that were that high? Well, at the time, you know, I was selling the wholesale milk. I was able to, uh, I was able to move all the milk and that was our business and that was our profits. And then once Makes the pandemic sense. hit, you know, once the pandemic hit, you know, it, it wasn't moving the milk anymore. So we, we cut way back, um, trying to rescale our operation and then change, change shifts a little bit and go more into hay, hay production rather than. Sure. The goats. Yeah. I don't think there's any industry that's able to, uh, adjust and, and refine what they do the way we do. People we've spoken with, uh, we had one concessionaire on the show, uh, Dominic Palmieri, who's out there at, at RCS. Um, he does a lot of the RCS shows in, in uh, OC, is, OC Fair in California is where I know him from. But he talked about, you know, he's a concessionaire. He's their main food guy. And with all the fairs closed, he and his, his wife started a, san- a mobile sanitation business. So they come into your office with these, you know, advanced high-tech sprayers and whatnot and, and, and sanitize you got to adjust, you know, no difference than you do having, you know, you go from saying, well, we've got 300 goats and now you go, well, now we've got 65 goats and, but Hey, Hey is always a thing. So. Right. Be diversified. Yeah. What else are you going to do? You know, you got to make sure you have options and our farmers uh, and ranchers across this country are resilient. I have um, great hope for them moving forward uh, that they, they make it through this. It's been a, it's been an interesting year. I'm curious from your perspective as an under 40 YPI or type, you see the market and our industry from a little different perspective, or at least you might. What are some of the challenges you see for our industry as we work through this COVID recovery? Challenge for the industry. I I think, you know, changing and adapting is definitely going to be a challenge, you know, um, things aren't going to be like we're used to them and we have to open our eyes and and change, change how we do things, how we see things, you know, make, make things fresh again. Um, You know, you you know, I I say the same, you know, 
you can't come and look at the same exhibit over and over again and think that the, the new generation is going to be excited about it. So we have to kind of tailor our tailor our thinking to the new the new generations and and figure out a way to capture them and and remind them about agriculture and, and the importance of it. Absolutely. Speaking of our industry, IFE recently announced that 2022, they're leaving San Antonio and going to Indianapolis. That's much closer to home for all of you in New York. The flight will not be as long. <laughs> what do you think about the move to Indianapolis? Well, selfishly, I, I look forward to things like that because I don't travel much. So this gives me a reason to travel to a new city and figure new things out. You know, like I was a little disappointed when I first left Vegas and went to Texas. Cause I'm like, I just got the hang of doing things in Vegas. You, <laughs> know, you out walk Las outside Vegas. of the hotel room and there's a, there's a taxi right there and it can take you wherever you want to go, you know? And I'm like, okay, now we're in Texas. And I'm like, okay, now I got to figure all this out again. But you know, I think I'm gaining my experience as being a traveler now. And, uh, I'm excited for uh, seeing another city. Yep. I'm very excited for it. Uh, what do you think is the best part of convention for you? Um, I look forward to a lot of it. I mean, it's, it's fun to go to all the different educational, um, educational workshops that they have. Um, I also, I've, I've really liked their uh, guest speakers that they have in the general sessions. Um, those are always really, you know, really fun and, and inspiring half the time, you know, to, to come back here and go, okay, let's do this. You know, you get all fired up and excited about changing things. Um, the trade show is always, it's always fun and overwhelming at the same time. There's like so many, you know, people in the trade show, but you definitely make some good connections in there too. As, as one of those exhibitors in the trade show, we, we don't apologize for being a little overwhelming. We're, whole bunch of crazy entertainers and you know it was always funny to me when we go to las vegas and and we'd walk back to the hotels and and for most of those entertainers they're still in costume like they're not changing into their street clothes and the trip they would just walk back to the hotel room and the looks we would get i mean you've got magicians and jugglers and stilt walkers and and clowns and robots and people are just like what in the hell is going on in this Oh man. It's like a walking carnival. It is a walking carnival. It it just it is what it is. Since I've I've got you, we're talking about the trade show. Uh, third day, last day of the trade show. Do you have your badge facing forward or your badge facing backward? Uh forward. He's gonna go with forward. It becomes a running joke for those of us in the show that on day three, half at least half the people come in with their badge backwards because they don't want to get bothered. Uh yeah, it is funny how um, how the trade show people are very good at picking out names and places, and you know, just by a quick walk by, they've already they've already narrowed down where you are and who you are. Yeah, they're definitely very quick at it. I my attitude's a little different than most of uh, I I don't don't want to say most than many of the other exhibitors. Um, if you're walking by, I'm going to say hi and greet you. That's it. I'm not going to shove a promo packet in your hand or anything. If you're interested, we'll chat, you know, just being pleasant. It, it seems to work really well for me. That, that's good. So listen, uh, Jen, we're just about out of time here. I'm so glad you could be on. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Question number one, favorite fair food. 
Fried dough. Question two, Apple or Android? Apple. Last book you read? I don't read. Doesn't read. Okay. I you read. I'm, a, I'm a doer. You're a doer. Excellent. You can have a guest role on any television show, past or present. Which show would you want to be on? Family Feud. We watch it all. Um, okay, so here's the question for you. Um, given your propensity now for flying, when you do fly, do you prefer a window seat or an aisle seat? Aisle seat. And if money was no issue, where's the first place you would travel after the pandemic ends? This is going to sound funny, but I'm going to say Ukraine. Why the Ukraine? Well, um, that's our goal within the next three years to get to Ukraine. My family was originally from Ukraine. And then um, my husband's brother is actually being stationed over in Ukraine. So wow. we that's... would like to travel to Ukraine to, to see him. I've, uh, I got bad news for you. That's <laughs> yeah. a long flight. <laughs> yeah. not a quick flight. You'll make it. You'll definitely make it. Listen, Jen, how, if, if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Um, I, I'm on Facebook or you can get a hold of the Saratoga County Fair office and they'll forward you the message. Perfect. Jen, uh, listen, we're crossing our fingers for all of you at the Saratoga County Fair that you have a safe and successful 2021 fair. Really grateful for your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Robert. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.